before we do that, let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, that you are God and we are not. And you have written, inspired through ordinary people, the words of Scripture, that we may listen to your voice through them this morning and every day. And so I pray that um, as we open the Bible, as we reflect on it for the next 20 minutes or so, um, as we talk about it, that uh, you would speak directly to our hearts, words of encouragement, words of challenge about living in relationship and partnership with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. So this is from uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35, through to chapter 10, uh, verse 1, and then verses 5 to 8. Matthew chapter 9, 35. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest, into his harvest field. Jesus called out his 12 disciples to him, called his 12 disciples to him, and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And then skipping to verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. That passage goes on with some advice from Jesus in how his disciples are, go, are to go out into this harvest field, and I encourage you to have a read of it later. But uh, for this morning, um, I want a little reminder of where we have been in the last uh, couple of months or so um, as, as a church when it comes to opening the Word together. Um, back when I was on my sabbatical last year, we, we went through the book of Ephesians, and there was a lot of talk in Ephesians about the work of the Holy Spirit. We moved into a, a month speaking about discipleship to Jesus, or if you like, apprenticeship to Jesus, to use a sort of a modern term, um, which I spoke one week in particular about God's mission to the lost, and that's part of our becoming like Jesus. Um, then we moved on in, at Christmas time to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, looking at some of the stories and how the Holy Spirit was at work there um, of the Christmas story, and then, of course, prayer as our focus in January using some of those videos from the prayer course. Uh, how does all of this fit together? Because it, it might seem as if, you know, jumping from this theme over to mission to the Holy Spirit, then over to prayer, that there's sort of all these things. It's like, okay, where do we, we go next? But as the, the team, we, we discussed it a couple of weeks ago and felt, no, this focus on prayer is, is something we, we really feel we need to continue with. But my strong feeling in, in, in recent weeks has been that digging into prayer, which we will do, didn't mean ignoring everything else about being a disciple of Jesus. 
sometimes we compartmentalize, right? Like we go, well, as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I've got, you know, a, a solid prayer life here, and then, and then there's my, my relationship with other believers, and then there's my, my sharing my faith, and then there's the sort of bringing the kingdom of God to this world in practical ways, and then there's, the, and we sort of, so, well, there's all these different things, and oops, one's lacking a bit, got to focus on that, as opposed to, to sort of seeing it all as very much integrated, like there's not compartments to our life of faith, but it's, it's all one and it's all related and one helps the other and vice versa. There's a deep connection. And so where in particular prayer, a life of prayer and the mission of God of bringing good news to the lost. I read this morning from Matthew 18, you know, would, would the shepherd not go after one sheep if he were lost and leave the other 99 so that the one would come back into the fold? This is the heart of God. I was reminded again of it this morning. This is the mission of God that the lost sheep would come back to be found. But where prayer and, and mission and everything else really come together, I think is this, in this concept, this astounding concept that God wants to partner with us. Everyone say partnership. This is just an astounding, amazing thing that God, the God of the universe, would want to partner with you and I, right? I mean, it's just, it blows, it, it blows my mind. But this goes right back to the earlier stories. You've got Adam and Eve in the garden, tending the, the garden together. Then you, you move on to characters like Abram and Sarai, and God enters a covenant. Not a word we use anymore today, but marriage is, is close to that. Uh, it, it's really about a joining, even to the point where God gave part of his name to Abram and Sarai, and they became Abraham and Sarah. Another story, some of you heard me talk about that before. But this is about a, a, a joining, a two becoming one, a partnership. And then, of course, this continues on with Jesus and his approach with his disciples, partnering with them, them continuing on his mission. And, and so for me, there's two very practical lessons in prayer when we think about what it means to partner with God, how prayer and, and his mission that we're invited into come together. Two very important lessons on prayer, and, and that is in relation to how we speak to God, how we ask, and how we listen, kind of the two directions of prayer. We, we ask God, he asks of us. There's, you know, prayer is a, a conversation, not one, one direction. So that's what I want to talk a little bit about today. Asking, our speaking to God, our petitioning, interceding. This is what we watched in January. There was one of the videos was on petition, asking God for us, our needs. Another was on intercession, asking God on behalf of, of others. Um, and both are essential, of course, for mission. You know, we, we have needs when it comes to stepping into what God has called us to in, in sharing our faith. We have to, to, to pray that he would give us his heart. We have to pray for the desire, the burden for those who don't know God. Otherwise, we, we, we just won't, we won't step into that. On the other hand, those who don't know Jesus need spiritual awakening, need a conviction of sin to be drawn close to God. And so we intercede. Fancy word of saying, pray on their behalf. Pray that God would move in their life. Petition, intercession, both important. But the passage that we read earlier shows us something that I think is very important in this whole, this whole journey of, of partnering with God, praying and being on his mission. 
Matthew chapters 8 and 9, which precedes where we read in the Bible today. Um, It follows Jesus' famous teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And then it's got all these miracles. Jesus heals this person and delivers this person. And and, and he's he's moving around and doing these amazing, amazing, uh, miraculous things. And and then we we get to the end of chapter 9, which is what we just read. Uh, verse 35 saying that he went through the towns and villages preaching the good news and, and, and healing every disease and sickness almost like it's the stuff we've just been reading about he just does that everywhere we don't have enough space in the book to include it all in um, he saw the crowds and had compassion on them so this is not some miracle man work, walking around going look how amazing i am i'm healing you i'm healing you i'm delivering you i'm doing these miracles He does it out of a heart of great compassion and tenderness. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then what? Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. But then notice what he says next, the very beginning of chapter 10. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. And you be those people. (laughs) Is basically what he's saying. He called them, those 12 to, to him and gave them authority to drive out uh, impure spirits to heal every disease and sickness. This, this is fascinating, I, I think. Because he's basically saying to them, hey guys, I trust you. I trust you. I pray that people, God would send more people to continue on this work I'm doing, but hey, Let's start with you. I trust you. Come on, let's do this. He says, I trust you to do it. It's almost like they're his equals, his partners, that they are with him and, and, and they're going to do this together. But then he goes on, he doesn't leave them stranded going, I trust you and just have a go and you're probably going to fail. He, he gives them all this advice. He says, what to say. He tells them to take minimal resources for a certain reason. He says, except hospitality from people. Go, go look for these kinds of people. It gives them a whole strategy, a whole evangelistic strategy, which strangely we seem to have missed in the church for a long, long time. Um, he says, look for the people who like you, listen to you, willing to... Basically, he, he says, look for those who, with whom God's already at work and, and, and help them move closer to me. Here's the point. Jesus trusts them But he doesn't say, you're going to have to do this all in your own strength. He says, I trust you, but he he doesn't rely on them. He doesn't rely on their strength and their know-how and their wisdom and their ability. And they've got everything that Jesus has, and so they know how to do it. He helps them. He trusts them, but doesn't rely on them. If I'm honest, my mindset is often the complete opposite of that. When I think about how, how God sees me and, and, and me being, having a responsibility to be part of his mission, I think, in my mind, this is the way I think. God is relying on me, a bit of a weight on my shoulders, and then, but he really can't trust me because I know how awful I am at this and how, how lacking I am of the skills to do it all. And so, uh, so he just, he can't really trust me. He relies on me, but he can't really trust me. That's the opposite way around. And with that mindset, I'm not inclined to ask God to draw me into this mission. I'm inclined to do one thing, and that is run as far as I can. 
Anyone identify with that? Just hide. Like if I just pretend that I'm, I'm, I'm not kind of called to this, or maybe God will just kind of move on to someone else. What I need, though, is a different identity, a different, a different mindset about how God sees me as I petition, intercede, as I ask God. And this is how we come to God. We, we rely on Him as the one doing the heavy lifting, knowing that He trusts us to bear His name. He doesn't rely on us. We rely on Him. And so we ask as a child. That's different to asking as an employee who's trying to prove themselves. We ask as a child. This is how we come to God. He is the one doing the work. He's the one drawing people out of darkness. He just wants to involve us in the process because he trusts us to bear his name as his children. And he loves to involve us, to partner with us, for us to partner with him. When we ask with this kind of identity, it leads to an authority we didn't have before. We do this in our dad's name. Not in my name or in my strength. We do it in our dad's name. Identity brings authority. It holds weight when we come in the name of Jesus. His disciples, Jesus' disciples were asked to pray for workers, were called to be those workers, and were given what? Authority to do this work. And so they're not expected, and this is so key, they're not expected to be super disciples who, who just are amazing and super like Jesus, whereas everybody else is not. They're just expected to go in his name, and he's the one giving them authority. He's the one doing the heavy lifting. When you pray, do you ask as a child, or do you ask as an employee who's sort of trying to improve, uh, prove themselves? Do you think that your prayers don't really hold any weight because you're not a spiritual giant, you're just a mediocre Christian, you're just an ordinary church-attending follower of Jesus trying to go do your best to get along with people and, and get through this life? Or do you ask as a child who the Father loves and, and he doesn't rely on you to get everything done and everything perfect, but he trusts you. The biggest hurdle that I have to overcome in my praying for others especially, um, let alone the rest of my prayer life, but, but praying for others, praying for the lost, praying that people will be drawn and I'd have an opportunity to help them discover Jesus. The biggest hurdle for me is believing there's any point, if I'm really honest. Because if I think God's relying on me, I don't feel worthy, I don't feel, ex I don't feel capable, but if I, I trust that, that, that God trusts me because he... I'm his child, but he's not expecting me to be him. Then I can rely on him, and it changes everything. And so I encourage you to, to hold on to this identity that leads to authority. Ask that God would give you his heart for those who don't know Jesus. Ask for them that God would draw them close to him. Let him do that work. And, and, and ask that God would give you opportunities as those things come together. Give you opportunities to help others discover Jesus for themselves and ask as a child asking a father with that identity. This is the beginning of partnership with God that brings together prayer and his mission that he's called us to. The second lesson is about the other direction of prayer. So this is us talking to God. How, with what identity do we ask God? The other is how do we listen? Because 
Prayer is not just about us speaking to God, it's about Him speaking to us and us listening and, and responding, of course. As we move into uh, sessions six to eight of the prayer course in the coming months, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll do the, the next session video. We're going um, to continue these on and intersperse with myself speaking uh, from the front. Um, there's a shift in these, these videos and this focus from us speaking to God to Him speaking to us. Listening prayer, contemplative prayer. Um, and this is where prayer and the mission of God really begin to come together, I think. Because when we listen to God and respond to His instruction, the weight is off of our shoulders. Somebody said it this way, the Spirit and the Word do the work. That's freeing to me. I don't know about you. Uh, Let me go back to Matthew chapter 10. Jesus sends out His disciples to towns and villages, advising them basically just to do this, to look and listen for where the Spirit of God is already at work. Where is the Holy Spirit already at work in someone's life? You may remember uh, this square that I drew on a board last year, although I think the glare on the board was making it a little hard to see, so hopefully this is clearer. Um, this, This square where somebody in your life who doesn't know Jesus and who is one of those lost sheep God's wanting to draw back, may well just be open to, at the very top, casual conversation and friendship with you. You might think, well, what's, what's, the, what's the good of that? Where, where can that really lead? Somebody once said it to me this way, openness to friendship with you may well be openness to friendship with Jesus in you. Because if you're just allowing the life of Jesus to shine out through your life, and someone doesn't want to avoid you, It may well mean that there's an openness to Jesus. Even if there's no conversation about God or theology or Jesus or spirituality or anything, openness to friendship with you may well be openness to friendship with Jesus in you. And this might be, this might then move into meaningful conversation, discussion. People not just having chit chat about the weather, but someone going, you know, hey, my family's struggling, or hey, any any thoughts on how we can improve our marriage, or whatever the case may be, which may lead in time to an openness to talk about spiritual things and when there's sufficient willingness to talk God and spiritual realities there can often be then an openness to discovery of Jesus for themselves and and rather than and, and this was the way Jesus advised his disciples to do it look for people who will welcome you into their home not look for people who are asking you to pray the sinner's prayer with them is <laughs> a process and a strategy and an advice Jesus gives. I shared last year that Karen and I are praying for some new friends of ours, asking, simply just asking God, show, show us God, show us how we can lead them closer to you. And that, and that just involved listening to the guidance and prompting of the Holy Spirit of where are they right now? Where, where are they, God? Because we don't, we don't really know yet. We just know that they're at least, they at least like us and are not avoiding us. So where, where are you moving them, God? How quickly? What do you want us to say? Um, an example of this, of, of one way it can happen, is in Acts chapter 8. Um, some of you may know this story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, just a, a recap on that story, if, if you're not familiar. Um, Philip, a disciple of Jesus, uh, is visited by an angel, and the angel says, go over to this place, so he does. And then when he's there, the Holy Spirit prompts him, and says, go talk to that guy in the chariot over there, who's an Ethiopian eunuch, and he is reading uh, the book of Isaiah, 
And so Philip says, do you understand this? The guy says, no, tell me. And so Philip says, this is what it's all about. It's about Jesus. And the eunuch says, fantastic. There's some water over there. Can I be baptized? Why not? Okay, let's go baptize you. And then Philip is whisked away by God to another place. Happens, all happens very quickly. Essentially, the, the eunuch was already here, already at the point, ready to discover the true God, Jesus, for himself. And how did God speak? If you missed it, here's how God speaks in the story. Through an angel, by the Spirit, a prompting of the Spirit, and through his word, the Bible, at the time, the Hebrew Scriptures. There's an important principle here. I want to humbly suggest that if you're spending too much time debating with others or yourself how God speaks, is it this, is it that, is it this, and not actually just listening for yourself, you may have missed the point. Because clearly, the writer of Acts, Luke, he, he doesn't, he's not fussed about how God speaks to Philip. It's through an angel, then it's by the Spirit, then it's through the Word of God. And, and not only to Philip, but to the eunuch. He's not fussed about the method. The key is just that Philip is listening. That's it. That's the only important thing, that he's listening to what God is saying. And the importance of that is that Philip isn't then credited with being Philip the super disciple. And we can sometimes read the story that, oh, wow, wasn't it so amazing what Philip did, led this guy to Jesus and baptized him all in the space of a... No, no, no. Philip was just listening to what God was saying, however God was saying it. The hero of the story is God. God's the one doing the heavy lifting. God's the one doing the work. God's spirit and God's word do the work. And that is so freeing for me. I don't know about you. That is so freeing that if we ask as children and then listen and respond, the weight is off my shoulders. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ask as children and listen and respond. And I would suggest that in the same way that we ask as children, we listen as, I wish I had a better term for this, but we listen and respond as royally delegated people. Here's what I mean by that. When the king is the one holding all the resources in his hands, and we don't have kings and everything these days, but if you watch any movies or um, of, of, you know, science fiction movies or, or, or whatever, you know, kings have all this authority and resource and they'll, they'll tell one of their people, go and do this, and then they hold the authority and the weight of the king as they do it. The power and impact that results is not coming from us then, when we're the ones listening and responding to the king. We're ones who've been royally delegated, and so the resources of the king are behind us. And so just as identity brings authority, obedience brings or leads to power. Power that's not of our, of our own, power that comes from God. And here's what I want to remind us of this morning. When we hear and respond to the voice heard not by the natural ear, resources are released that come not from the natural world. Things happen that come not from the natural world or, are or happen by the, the natural world. When we hear and respond to the voice not heard by the natural ear, the kingdom of God comes into play and God's spirit and God's word do the work. Partnership with God where prayer and engaging in God's mission come together is asking as a child, listening and obeying as royal, royally commissioned people, royal delegates. 
children of the King. And if we approach prayer this way, it starts to deal, and this is where I want to finish, it starts to deal with the biggest fear that we all have, well, most of us at least, that we'll mess up. Anyone else feel like that? I'll just mess it up. I'll think God's saying this, and then, I'll, and then I'll do something, but clearly I'll be treated as a, uh, I'll get it wrong, and, and, then, and then people will think I'm one of those wackos who, who, who just go, no, no, no. Jesus has such a high tolerance for failure. Did you know that? What he doesn't have as much of a high tolerance for is disobedience. Actively going around, going, well, I think you're saying that, God, but I really don't want to, so I'll just not risk. But if we get it wrong trying to be obedient. He has a hugely high tolerance for that. And he'll help us. Have you ever hesitated to respond to something that you think God might be saying, but you just don't because you, you go, you know, I'm, I think I might have misheard. I, I, I do all the time. I mean, just an example of this uh, is what I was talking about before. Our ministry team met a couple of weeks ago, said, look, February, March, in this lead up to Easter, how about we, we do this? We just feel like maybe God's saying, change things around in our celebration. There's going to be some logistical challenges. There's going to be some practical things that, that might not work so well. We're going to have to try it out for a while that it might just flop. And, and probably at best, I felt like 51% sure that the Holy Spirit was saying, this is what we need to do now. Maybe 52 or 53%. But the choice was either go, let's not take the risk and, and miss a potential opportunity to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and what he's wanting to do, or to take the risk and go, well, we might, it, it might flop, it might not work, it might kind of be disjointed and some people might get unhappy, but the risk is that we might actually be obedient to what God is saying. And so sometimes we just need to step out and go, okay, God, it doesn't matter if I fail, but if your spirit and your word is doing the work, then I can step into this and trust you. Rely on you, not you relying on me. And so this year, as we make a choice to be God's missionary people to our neighbours and friends and family who, who don't know him, thanks, Siri. <laughs> Maybe that's somebody we, we, we ought to be praying for. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that kind of prayer, this, this kind of prayer comes from from knowing God wants to partner with us. And that kind of prayer can fuel us. Because as our Father, He delights in us. Did you know, did you, do you know that? I think, I think we do know that, but we forget it sometimes. As our Father, He delights in us. He wants us to be engaged in His mission and to partner with us. Prayer and the mission of God coming together. So I'm going to pray briefly, and, and um, what we're going to do is take five minutes as we were doing in January, to, to, to talk. One encouragement and one challenge you've received from this morning. Simple as that. What's one encouragement and one challenge you feel God's laid on your heart? Father, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that you are the one doing the heavy lifting and that when we start to feel as if you're relying on us and our ability and our strength, we, we maybe have misheard what you're trying to say to us. And so thank you that you, um, you are the one at work people's lives and you just invite us into that but lord may we may we step into that and not just go oh well you've got it lord because we know you want to involve us you want to use us and you are you do desire that we would be involved in this process this this bringing back of lost sheep into your fold and that prayer is 
is um, it's not just a part of that. It's 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 together with that in, in, in an interwoven way that it's all one in the same Lord. So may we ask as children and now may we listen um, as one who is so much more powerful than us and just respond to what you're saying. Lord, as we sit here for a minute, may you just solidify all this and put on our heart what it is, the one, the one encouragement you want to give to us and the one challenge you want to leave with us this morning.